guys, welcome to episode 76 of A Wrestling Gal Podcast, providing you with the female perspective on all things wrestling. Join me, your host and wrestling enthusiast, Ella J, as today I am joined by the beautiful bruiser, Molly Spartan. Now let's chat! Hello, everybody. Today, I am joined by the beautiful bruiser, Molly Spartan. So how are you doing today? I'm good, darling. How are you? Doing pretty good. I'm excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah, All the way from the U.S. here to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in Glasgow, Scotland just now. Uh, I'm not from Glasgow, but I live there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're New York, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've been a few times. Well, actually, I'm not from the city. Everyone assumes when I say I'm from New York, I'm from the city. So I'm actually from the way other side of New York State, like Western New York. It's six hours away. Okay. So, but I've been to New York City and the pizza is very good. So what 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 is like your area famous for? So Buffalo, New York, we're known for our wings. People call them buffalo wings. We just call them oh, wings. If you I think, yeah, so I think we're going to become best friends. I carry okay. a bottle of yeah. buffalo sauce in my bag at all times because if, if so, if, if your food's rubbish, you just stick a bit of buffalo sauce on and it fixes it. See, we don't even call it buffalo sauce. Everyone, well, everyone not from here, like, calls it buffalo sauce or buffalo wings. We just call it, like, uh, like hot sauce or barbecue sauce or whatever. We don't even, but I get it. If you're not from here, you just call it buffalo sauce. I get it, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, firstly, how have you stayed occupied during this quarantine? Because I know, I think, like, the, I was just talking to another Scottish wrestler this morning, and she said the gyms just opened up over there. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they did so just late. open up. Um, yeah, it's been very late. It's been very testing. Um, but luckily, um, I've been able to keep pretty active and keep sort of training ahead of stuff. Uh, both like me and my partner in December, we managed to like actually purchase our own gym. So we've been able to keep active because it's at worst so um we've been able to keep active enough but obviously not wanting to push the boundaries too much and ex- exhaust ourselves and get sort of we don't want to catch the rona pretty much and we want to keep ourselves as safe as possible but if you've got access to your own dumbbells then uh, dumbbells why would you not use them how has business been for you guys then for this gym that sounds so cool like opening your own gym I mean, it's cool, but it's been terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it literally was like, we purchased this, we managed to sort of get an idea of, like, what we wanted in it, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, okay, the world's on fire, shut the doors, and you're like, okay. Uh, but through it, like, we've been able to sort of get a better idea of what we want it to, to be, and, like, it's becoming very much a place where wrestlers can train so there's like the gym aspect with like your squat racks and your deadlift bars and all that jazz but then uh fit in like a wrestling ring so that you're able to go in and run drills and stuff like that but the ring's brand new we literally over we managed to commission a fellow wrestler who makes them 
So obviously he wasn't getting much work. So in turn, we commissioned to get a ring made by him. So it was all a big like community thing. Um, so yeah, it's sort of going to be a place where hopefully when WWE comes into town or something, they can send their performers or if there's any big ones to Tower Gym because they're going to be able to jump in a ring or do everything a bit more privately because the only other people that are really going to be in it are wrestlers. Um, so they'll understand. Just leave them alone. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? If anything, when they're on the treadmill, don't go up and ask yeah, for a selfie. Yeah, yeah, like, that kind of thing. Um, so hopefully it becomes that kind of place um, and that it is mostly used by wrestlers. It's not necessarily a school. It's for wrestlers who are already wrestlers so they can be trusted to go in the ring without breaking their neck they're not going to try and do moonsaults by themselves you know what I mean that kind of thing um but yeah so that's what we've been doing but yeah luckily we've had that we would have been driven demented you know you, you seem to do a lot outside of wrestling too you know you to do a cosplay and pinup pageants is that true yeah like the pinup pageant was a weird one like that came out of it just basically it was how I sort of dressed um, and I still, when I go out and stuff like that, it's very more a pin-up um, mm-hmm. sort of style that I go for. Um, purely realistically, I was always like the alternative kid. That's, like, I had eyeliner that would have like, challenged Amy Winehouse's when I was at high school and hair that was bigger than Motley Crue's and stuff like that. So um, I was always alternative. And then when I got older, it got to a point where, like, leopard print tart like leopard print skinny jeans were yeah, like yeah. at a point where I was like I don't think I should me. but then it sort of pin up sort of came into it so it was still alternative but it really suited basically the body shape that I ended up blossoming into let's say um and it complemented that really well so I got into that and then there was a tattoo convention and Scott like Scotland's first ever proper tattoo convention um, and it came from that. It was like a friend of a friend was like, hey, they're doing this. You should go for it. And I was like, yeah, OK. Just thought like n- nothing off it. And then, yeah, ended up getting like, hey, do you want to come and do this? And I basically um, there was like a, I remember at some point, I remember my first one. It was like interesting facts about you. And one of mine was like every room I go into a scale for a zombie attack, like where I would escape from. <laughs> And like I threatened the guy, I was like, "You're dead," and I'm like, and it was that sort of thing. So I managed to sort of do okay in it because I was able to usually get a laugh by doing something stupid. And everybody else was trying to be all prim and proper, and I was like, "I'm going to do something stupid." Yeah, and probably going to be like, "Yay!" <laughs> um, and yeah, cosplay came from like, like I. <laughs> It become, I think feel like it's more of a stigma now, but like, but I, I feel like I'm getting judged this year by it. But I love Halloween, like, and have done for years. And I think because I was so the alternative emo scene kid at high school, mm-hmm. Halloween was like where I came from. It was very like I was the weird kid. Like I was just like when you watch things like The Craft and stuff like that. You know, they're like we are the weirdos, Mister. Like. That was me. Like, I was the odd one that had the big hair and stuff like that, but really didn't care. Um, but Halloween was the one time of year that nobody said anything to you because that was the year where everybody was trying to match you and look like you. And I was like, okay. And, like, even when I got to a point where I wasn't going out and, like, 
trick-or-treating anymore, even if it was a weekday. Like, I remember one year, I must have been, like, 14, and I had this Spider-Man costume. So I like, full, like, pull-on mask, full Spider-Man costume. <laughs> and someday, like, trick-or-treaters came to the door. So I went to the door with silly string and was, like, covering these kids in silly string and was, like, trick-or-treat when I threw the door and they are like, what? And they'd... So, yeah, I've always sort of been sort of gone down that road of like always liking costumes and dressing up and any excuse and uh yeah ended up sort of developing like my own sort of costume so I've done I've done things like Jessica Rabbit because she was she's always been a staple a bombshell. Of, yeah, a bombshell yeah from when I was a kid growing up and re-watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit you realise oh this isn't for children but Mickey Mouse and Daffy Duck and all that's still in it it's great mm-hmm. um but then, like, so, like, I was always, like, I loved comic, like, I love comic books and stuff like that. But for some reason, like, especially when I was with Batman, like, Batman was, like, my first bunch of comics. But I, I still say that I always thought Batman himself was a dick. But the villains always had, like, to me, there was, like, it made more sense with the villains for myself. Like, I understood why the villains were doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But I always thought... You're just a like well a Scottish term of a bell end like a, he's just an idiot like a, a cat and I still am like shut up Batman Shh. like I, I like Robin better than you um so then I ended up going to a stage where I would take male villains that I loved and turn them into females so I've done like a awesome. Riddler I've done like a, a Joker sort of version of my own from like my Joker version was from like Adam West um sort of Batman 60s, 70s version where he was all the orange like ribbon and green jacket, very bright kind of thing. And then the Joker was like, eh, not the Joker, the Riddler was this like long fishtail green dress but had question marks over it and like a black blazer and a wee. So it was like if the Riddler was a burlesque act was sort of like one that I'd done. And so that's sort of like a thing that I've always liked. It's always been that way of like getting my own creative juices flowing but with the showing my love and appreciation for different things and different things I'm interested in. Now you talk about being active. You've done a lot in your life and I don't know if you're still active in this role, but you were actually a host of a weekly wrestling radio show in the UK. Oh God, that was a while back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was just a, a, a me and a few friends. Um, I originally came on board because we did like a 24 hour radio show like and it was like a proper broadcast radio show in sort of glasgow here and um like we did 24 hours and we had we had like we had guests like hulk hogan and everybody on this show it was mad like how we managed oh, to get this wow. but like i was sounding that like we ended up um i went on board in order to basically keep everybody awake so like i'd pop in and be on the air but then i'd go and like cook up a pot of soup or something just to get mm-hmm. people like fed and like ended up talking to like a local Domino's pizza who gave us pizzas for free because we were trying to um, raise this money um, and it was for like a it was called it was basically called the Maggie's Maggie's Box Appeal here which is a charity in Scotland that um, helps um, fat like mums and dads of like um children babies that pass away kind of thing so if it either being um stillbirth or mm-hmm. things like that and it helps them sort of get um grievance counseling if they need it also to cover things like funeral costs because let's be honest when you're 
when you're going to have a baby, you're not expecting to have to pay for a funeral kind oh, of yeah. thing. Um, so this is what this charity does, and that's what it was funding this 24-hour one. So I came on board with that at first, and then the host and a couple of other people started was um, were unable to do it continuously, but I'd ended up, weirdly, I'd somehow learned their um, radio board from, like, five years previous. I walked in and was like, I know how to work that. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know how to work that board. I, I do you want me? And they were, I remember I was struggling with a certain like crossover path or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you do this. And they were like, oh, you do know how to work that. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. So I ended up, yeah, me, uh, a guy called Simon Cassidy, um, who is a ring announcer in Scotland. If you watch any, like, ICW, if you watch any of ICW on yes, demand yes. on the network, um, he's the ring announcer. He's the big sort of like voice. It was him, um, a wrestler called DCT, uh, David Campbell Thompson. Um, there was Billy Kirkwood. Um, and there was a, sort of this group of different folk, but they were the ones that were sort of with most. Um, and yeah, so we did that and we did basically like a weekly um, roundup of all things that had happened in professional wrestling as well as like what was happening locally in that weekend. Um, I had to do the Raw review and the show was on a Tuesday and in the UK, Raw broadcasts at 1am on yeah. a Tuesday and you're out to like four. So I had to stay up every week to watch. Usually like now I watch until I need to go, I'm going to go to sleep and then I'll wake up in the morning and at breakfast watch the rest of Raw mm-hmm. um, before looking at Twitter. But yeah, like I used to have to stay up and watch it and write notes and then try and compile it into a review. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I've been, I'm not one for not doing something. I need to be busy somehow or I'll just be, dri- I'll just be driven demented. Do you think that that hosting kind of refined your mic skills for promos at all? Oh, uh, n- no. My, well, yeah, I know. Like I was able to sort of... Um, be a host in that and talk fine but I feel like with that radio show much like this it's more of a conversation so if you're in you'll know yourself like if you're in an interview with someone who is relaxed and open and willing to talk and stuff like that it's so much easier than Mm -hmm. someone who instantly comes up with their guard up and is like oh why do you want to talk to me like and all that sort of stuff it's so much easier if you're that and the people that I was with they were people that I was friends with, you know what I mean? Like genuinely friends with, like I'd go for meals. Still to this day, you can phone them and reach out and talk to them or send them a message and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, like, so that was easy. But for me, my work with ICW and what I did there before mm-hmm. I was a wrestler, that's what honed uh, my skills as like a, for, for my mic work. Um because yeah, that's it's the one one of the one of the elements of my wrestling career that I'd say I'm proud of is the fact that I'm I'm pretty good on a microphone. Like I'm I've never doubted myself in that department. Yeah, you were a producer, right? Yeah, like so basically yeah. what happened at ICW before I became a wrestler and like mm-hmm. my story how I became a wrestler is interesting. So um I studied television. Uh, I studied television at university. So I have a degree in television uh, here from Edinburgh. And I basically turned that into a wrestling degree, which is strange. So um, all my dissertations, all my, uh, my papers 
were predominantly all about wrestling. So I did uh, when we had to do like a live thing. I did predominantly costumes, and I reflected on how um, people's costumes or like people's gear ended up being. Um, it, yeah. So my paper was basically reflection on how comic book characters and professional wrestlers are pretty much them the same and how their gear or their their super suits or whatever costumes um reflected on either who they were what their personalities were like and what they sort of associated with so like if you look at somebody like a uh, macho man randy savage yeah. you can from that himself you can tell that he was a bigger than life character and um, he was a bit unhinged and a bit Create, you know what I mean? There was that unhingedness about it because his, his gear didn't match. It was all sort of all over the place, but at the same time was vibrant and loud. And then you could have somebody like Sergeant Slaughter, for example, like very militant, very sort of like, and all reflect. Like if you were just to show them a picture, what would people say about it and what it what it represented, what they wore? So I like, like did paper on that, and I did like a paper regarding the. Sergeant Slaughter, Hulk Hogan's uh, mania match, um, but it was when it was around the time of the Gulf War and how like certain promos would reflect on what was happening in the news and what was happening in American politics at that time and stuff. So basically, like nearly every Tuesday morning, um, I'd try and either watch the rest of Raw or I'd rewatch Raw at my uni and take notes and. Aye, so it basically became everything was about wrestling and how like it would reflect around Raw. Because primarily when I wanted to get into wrestling, it was more that I wanted to get into the production side of things, the filming of it and the producing, mm-hmm. because like I'm not going to be around the bush. The period of time when I was watching professional wrestling, there wasn't really any girls that looked like me at all. Mm-hmm. They were all sort of these like... Sm- thin like models kind of thing and they sort of clearly were developed to become wrestlers but they weren't they weren't like I remember like like the time when I was really focusing on wanting a career in it so like I'd gone to the years of like like I absolutely adore China because she's this big powerful woman so I adore her uh, and like I have I have like her fitness videos and her books and everything like I have anything that's China but then obviously reflect back to women like Bill Nakano and stuff like that. But when I started watching, I didn't know about Bill. And I had to, mm-hmm. that was something that I learned afterwards kind of thing. But then I only, for a while, I felt like at one point, the one woman that appeared was Beth Phoenix for a long yeah, time. I yeah. feel like she's the only one that remotely, I feel like, looks anything physically like I could because I looked like throughout my days, from being at primary from being like primary school or high school, um, which are the two different types of schools in the UK here. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was always just the big girl. And I'm not saying that I was like Godzilla in comparison, but there was all the girls around me were all small and petite. And it was nothing against them, but they just that's just didn't how that wasn't how oh. I looked. So I always was just bigger, be I was taller or just broader in shoulders, and that's just my physical form mm-hmm. uh, so when I was going through the process when I was at uni and college and stuff like that I never ever seen myself as a wrestler I always seen I wanted to work in wrestling I loved it more than anything I was obsessed still am um 
but oh, I wanted to sort of create it and help with like the production of stuff. So I ended up with ICW. Um, it was weird. Like um, I ended up as part of my college course, I did like a documentary on a local comedy club in Edinburgh uh, called The Stand, which is really revered in the UK. Like all the best comics have done this, done these rooms um, here. But I did a documentary on there and then ended up meeting a guy called Billy Kirkwood, who is a current commentator for ICW. And he'd just become that. And we ended up becoming friends through doing this documentary. We had loads of things in common. One of those things is that we loved wrestling. And I ended up being friends with him. He ended up colour commentating for ICW. And he messaged me going, you need to come to this show. You'll absolutely love it. You're going to like, I love like the old ECW. I had like, I had old, I still have old ECW VHSs and stuff. <laughs> good like, times. Yeah, the good times. Like, oh, Steve Carino is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. And I'll still argue that I'm blue in the face. Adore the man. Um, but yeah, like, so like talking to Billy, he was like, you need to come to this. You're going to love it. It's like old ECW, like it's ECW, it's in nightclubs and all that. And I was like, cool. So I went along, met with him, was at the show with a friend and was like, this is, this is mental. Like there was like, there was like, the ring broke at one point, but actually oh. broke. not like a fake break, like a real break. The ring wow. like collapsed and everybody was like, what the do we do? And I remember them just off the spot, just going, right, you're doing a street fight. And like, it was four guys on four guys. It was like an eight man. And it was, like, and it was, that was meant to be the main event. And then that became a street fight. And that genuinely went out into the street of this nightclub. Somebody got thrown into a bus. Oh. Some ended up going into the so there was a big cine, cinema next door. They ended up going into the cinema and out the, like you know revolving doors. Yeah, in the revolving door into the cinema, back out the revolving door, and like the police got fall, uh, phoned. And this was about the same time that the London riots were happening, like the big mm-hmm. London riots were happening, and people thought the Glasgow riots were starting. So like a riot van showed up at the show, God. thinking it happened and was like. Where is this gone? And like, and that was that. So they were people were like, did nobody mention that the people that were there was only eight people in this crowd of like forty people outside fighting, and they were all wearing lycra? Did they forget to mention that? Um, so I ended up at this crazy show, and then I ended up meeting the guy that runs it, a guy called Mark Dallas. And basically, I said to him, "Look, I'm at university. I'm studying television. Um, I can get you an access because at this point." It was. It was basically what they were selling tickets. That's what paid the boys and paid the venue and paid all yeah. that. So I went, look, I can give, I can get you another camera. I can get you a camera. I can get you a decent microphone. And I can get you lights. I went, I get that through my insurance at university. Um, all you need to do, because I needed a work placement for my university, was I'll write what I do on your show days, and you just need to sign the bottom. And he was like deal I was like great so I got in that way and sort of I was just like I have equipment I can help you so he ended up assigning me going okay you try and do promos and I was like what and he was like yeah you try and get the boys to do promos so we can edit a show together I was like okay cool no bother and uh, yeah that's how I ended up doing it like I had to like get the trust of these guys mm-hmm. to come and do these promos try and get some guys who had never spoken in their life, like they were good in the ring, but I'd never uttered a word in a microphone um, to try and talk. So that's kind of where 
I hone my mic skills because I've been like behind the camera and seen some of the best in the world who have come to the independence talk, but also direct them where if they've said something either they've said like a wrong date, they've said a wrong, you know what I mean? They've delivered something a bit strange. They've like, there, there's blo- there's massive blooper reel someplace of like some of the biggest stars in the world, like falling through a door or stubbing their toe, walking through a promo and all this sort of jazz. They'll, they'll be everywhere. But um, yeah, that's sort of where I honed it because I had to tell the guys that are on Raw, the now, oh, by the way, you said that wrong. You need to say it like this. Mm-hmm. and they'll accept it which is nice when you get guys that are 100% professionals and go oh did I say that I went yeah yeah you said Tuesday rather than Wednesday and they go oh sorry and I'll do that again um but that's sort of where I've managed to hone it because I, I genuinely feel if I wasn't good on a microphone then I've been doing a terrible job the, the what I'd been doing a terrible job for what I was there for like eight nine years doing that Oh yeah, wow! Even wrestling, I was still doing that um, for a period of, for a for a for a, a valued period of time, and then ended up having to go like, look, I can't always be here. I'm I'm going to wrestle, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm back there wrestling, so it's done a lovely full circle. That's an insane story of how you kind of integrated your from like fan to TV producer to writing this whole like thesis on it. And then now you're like actually in the ranks. So you've gotten the best of both worlds for sure. Well, me getting into the ring was purely so I train at a school called GPWA here. So it's the yes. Glasgow Pro Wrestling yeah, Asylum. Yeah. So I train here and I was the first student because because I'd become friends with all the guys that trained there over the years of me filming, um, I remember having a conversation with them and they were talking about how they wanted to coach. But because at that point there was only two schools really in Glasgow and they were both ran by their friends. So one was ran, um, so, so, it was, so it was ran between these two friends. Um, sorry, these two schools were ran between their friends. So they didn't want to upset the other one because if they went to one school then the other one would be like well what's wrong with me and vice versa but they wanted to do it their way like they had their idea of how they wanted to teach wrestling because yeah. they had gone through the years where they were basically left they were like like their, their first day they could instead of getting taught how to do bumps and rolls it was like right 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 now suplexes and you're like no that's not a first day thing why are you teaching that um, so they wanted to reflect that and be like, no, we should teach it like this. And they had this whole idea that they wanted to do it. So as a friend, I said, well, I'm student number one. And they were like, what? And I was like, right, you've got one student. You've got over the hurdle of getting one person to agree to come. Now you just need to get the rest of the class. I was like, I'll be your first student. I was like, and I could come. And at that point, I genuinely thought, I'll come and learn a different perspective. I'll learn the only thing I didn't know really at that point in time was inside the ring. I'd always yeah. seen, like, I knew how to book a show. I knew how to film it. I knew how to do the camera setup, how to do the ring setup, how to do the, like everything, how to run the door, blah, 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 blah. I just didn't know what you did in the ring, like how it actually worked in a way even though I was around it constantly I didn't fully know like at that point it was that weird sort of thing like 
I love like talking to people about the first time they ever got in a ring because you do end up standing there going, how do I get in this? Like, especially <laughs> if it's a tall one, you're like, mm-hmm. do, I, do I take a run and do an edge and slide under the bottom? Or... That realisation, yeah. Yeah, of like, how am I going to get in this? And if you're wearing like, if you're a girl as well, if you're wearing a skirt or wearing anything, you really need to think about like, how do I get in without exposing myself to anybody? Yeah. And it's like, okay, how do I do this? And I remember that daunting, like, oh, I don't know. Like, okay. And then that's when you realise, like, guys like your your big shows and your Kevin Nashes and your Kane, when they step over the top rope, that's terrifying because those guys are huge yeah. if they can do that. So you're like, right, okay. So it's that sort of learning process. So that's what I initially went into to train. But at that point in time, that's when girls like um, Viper, uh, Piper Niven in NXT yeah. UK, she started to come in like her own. Like she'd just come back from Japan when I started, really, when I started training. And she was this whole new woman, essentially. But it became more acceptable. Like it was that weird sort of point where I realised while I was training that me being me was acceptable. Like, because I look the way I look and because I'm the size the way I the size I am, that's now acceptable to be in a weird way. It was like a weird sort of moment of just realization of like, oh wait, I can do this. You because can own for, yourself, yeah. For years I just assumed that I was to always be behind the camera. Mm-hmm. I wasn't meant to be in the ring. Um and then coming to that point of like, oh wait. I can do this. I can. I can. I can be a wrestler because it was an it was an interesting thing. I remember. So how GPWA works at the point when I came, you're you do you you pay for like a first. It's now a six week course because they've managed to figure out obviously over the last few years. But at that point, it was eight weeks. You came every Sunday, and you basically had to learn within those eight weeks a certain set of moves mm-hmm. so you needed to learn how to bump how to roll and how to do a just a like a lock up little sequence and if you could do that then that meant you were you were basically capable enough to be coached and to go on and basically become a wrestler to try and learn the more like the harder things let's say um than just doing a forward roll but it's one of those things that you don't really realise. Like the amount of people that come in and the amount of people that have said to me over the last couple of years, like, oh, I've, all, I've always wanted to be a wrestler. I've always wanted to give it a go. And genuinely, the first thing I say to the majority of them is, can you do a forward roll? Mm-hmm. And like, what? And I go, can you do a forward roll? I go, I think so. And I go, you've got more hope than you think. Like basic things like a forward row is so crucial for wrestling, but the amount of people that just can't do them. I seen a guy want do a forward row and he somehow managed to screw it up so much they hit the corner of a wall and split his head open. Like hit it and it like it genuinely is that moment where we were standing there going, I don't even comprehend what you did. There was like a massive matted area and he somehow managed to go and then veer off. Like it was like he rolled and somehow took a sharp right. And he's, when he came, when he rolled up, his head went straight into the corner. Like it was like a corner of a room oh, kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sticking out that was going around the corner. 
hit that and we had to take him to hospital. But it was that point where you're like, how did you even do that? It was somewhat impressive how you've managed <laughs> to screw that up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing, like the amount of people. But it's bad because I felt horrible because I said that to a friend of mine and he tried to do a forward roll and he was a tattoo artist and he mm. broke his collarbone. Oh. Like he thought he was drunk and he thought, I can do a forward roll. Oh, my Spon- God says I can be a wrestler if I can do a forward roll I'm doing one and he did it and he broke his collarbone and at that point I was working I remember like when I first started I was also working in this bar like I was managing this bar and I'm walking in in a sling and going this is your fault he going how's that my fault I never touched you and he was like you said if I can do a forward roll I could be a wrestler <laughs> I cannot do forward rolls. I was like, you can't be a wrestler then. You, you go home. Um, <laughs> but it's that sort of thing. So like the eight week, they do it as a stage of like, if you can't do what they're asking within that eight week, six week period, really they reevaluate and say things like, for example, we've had guys that have come and they have been like too heavy. Like, and I'm not saying like, there was guys who have come who are big big show size guys mm-hmm. can do forward rolls and are, are, are angelic but then you get those guys that are just too heavy and they don't understand how to use their own weight if that makes sense mm-hmm. so they couldn't do forward rolls they were just sort of like spiking themselves into the ground when they tried to get over so with guys like that the majority of the coaches would say things like look maybe you should go and reflect on sort of your own fitness and health maybe lose a couple of stone or that, just so that you're a bit lighter in order to get the motion easier. Um, and there was, there's guys that have went away, done that, come back, and they've, they're now in the classes kind of thing and in the school because they took the advice as in it wasn't a personal attack. Mm-hmm. It was genuine advice to go, you're going to fight. If you really want to do this, you're going to need to do this in order to do this physically had nothing to do with their appearance or anything. It was just literally a matter of right now you don't know how to use your weight in order to throw yourself over or manoeuvre yourself. So you need to get yourself lighter in order to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, they don't. it's not just a school where you're paying your £10 or $10 to get trained. It's not just a money maker. It's mm-hmm. actually they want to produce talent and they want to produce, like, good talent so if they're coming out of that school if you're going to um hire somebody for that school you know you're probably going to get a decent match and you're going to even if they're new they're not going to be allowed to go and do matches unless they're at a certain caliber um so yeah so i ended up being their first student and that's how i ended up becoming a wrestler because after it i realized oh wait i can actually do this like i can be a wrestler um it was a funny sort of thing like He's now passed, but Lionheart, like Adrian McCallum, he was one of the, the coaches when it first opened. And I've been, been friends for years. And he genuinely said to me, like, when the sort of like, right, you can go on and we're going to teach you more kind of stage. Mm-hmm. He turned and went, mate, I thought you were going to be rubbish. And I was like, thanks, <laughs> mate. Thanks. He went, yeah. He went, you put me completely wrong. He's like, I was waiting to have a right good laugh at you when you tried to be a wrestler. Like, you can actually do this. I was like, oh, thank you, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, I always remember him being like, at that point, I'm going like, oh, wait, no, 
you do love wrestling. I get I get this now. Um, yeah, so that's sort of how I became a wrestler through a whole other means of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm a I'm a busybody. I have to be able to do something, and I, I like to know how everything works. True. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just I don't just want to learn what happens in the ring. I want to know everything. Like I'll sit and take in what's happening and if I'm at some place like I was lucky enough to do like um, I did a match here for Ring of Honor like last year and doing that like I stood at like where all the screens were and if I were like are you okay and I was like yeah I'm just paying attention like I just want to see how this works um, and how the broadcast works and stuff like that because ICW broadcasts are different to like their broadcasts so yeah I was just trying to take it in um, more than anything, um, I don't do well with boredom. Like, oh yeah, okay, I understand that. Yeah, I don't either. I have a spare room here because of COVID. I've ended up painting it like the Toy Story room, like the blue oh, wall with the clouds. I love and that. I, I hand painted all the clouds, and yeah, I've ended up making this be room where I do interviews like this or whatever. Um, with the Toy Story walls because I was bored and I was like I think I should paint a room like this. I was like okay. <laughs> you are so multi-talented I love it. <laughs> I just I don't think I'm multi-talented I just think I get bored easily and I'm like I'm gonna figure this out I'm not doing no, this. No you're multi-talented just own it. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you I'll say thank you. You know, too, you talk about your in-ring work, too. Now, you are obviously known as a part of this very talented stable known as the She-Wolves. But before we get more into that, how did the the name She-Wolves actually come about? And to you, what does it actually mean to be a She-Wolf? So the word, the She-Wolves came about because, the so the, 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 the faction, the stable, or whatever you want to call it, um, is born from a company called TNT Extreme in Liverpool. Yes. Um, and they, for some reason, they would call themselves, the fans called themselves the Wolf Pack. Oh, um, okay. So for us, it was uh, it was basically taking the leadership of mm-hmm. the promotion because in a Wolf Pack, in a genuine Wolf Pack, the She-Wolf is the dominant one. It's not, the woman is the dominant one. You normally find it is a female wolf with, a male pack because she's the leader mm-hmm. she's the one that can that can read and like the alpha male of a pack like that they fight in order to be with the woman so like the alpha male can change but the she wolf normally doesn't she usually passes and that's how they get a new one kind of thing um so yeah so it's all about being the she wolves is all about being the dominant force in that mm-hmm. promotion and it really it's, yeah it's, it's sort of like an like the animalistic point of that is why we were sort of named it but yeah it's it's to be a she-wolf is all about fighting for your equality in a sense so like at tnt mm-hmm. we are not treated as just the women if you know what i mean like um it was for like a while, like before we came along, that it did feel like there. It was just like they weren't putting on 
quality women's matches, but it was just like one women's match. Just like many places. And that's totally fine if that's the case, as long as there is a women's match. That's half the battle. There's so many places that just don't have women's matches. Um, but there it was that. and But now it's not unusual for there to maybe be two, three, even yeah. women's yeah. matches on a card because we've fought and we've ended up getting the respect of the fans there that it's deemed appropriate for there to be two or three women's matches. It's not seen as just like, oh, here come the women. It's a genuine thing of like, oh, no, what's going to happen here? Like, sometimes there's only one women's match on the card, and that's fine. Um, But we are given like a proper, um, like a proper amount of time. We're given the respect that we deserve. People react when we come out because we've really fought in that way that we're not just some, none of us, no matter what side you're on, let's say in quotations, mm-hmm. you expect, the, it's the fear of that sort of thing. Like I always say myself, I've always found that I'm comfortable in confrontation. And I don't know if that's just by growing up in a place where I was deemed the freak because I decided to wear lots of eyeliner or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like where, you get comfortable in folk just shouting abuse at you that in later years, I've, I am comfortable in it. So if somebody calls me a dick, I'm just like, yeah, and? And I'll be going, no, I'm more powerful <laughs> than that. Like, a dick's quite a weak thing. Just get that mm-hmm. away. Like, like, And it's, yeah, like, we are just as scary as any guy in that promotion. And that's any of us. Like um, you're better to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm biased. You're biased. I'm not saying that because I'm not saying that at all because the talent that TNT have, yeah, has a lot of talent. Like people. lots of talent people in that promotion, like a lot of talent people in that promotion. But the way that the promotion is run is that the talent is listened to, like properly listened to. So like. Um, and that is a massive thing like um, any idea that we have is considered it's either discussed if they come up with an idea and we come up with something there is a discussion of things and it's not just a factor of like no you're doing this and you know what that's fine that's the you, you want it to, to run a promotion and at times we've been told that like no this is what we want and that's completely fine but if there's a mutual respect and there's a give and take from the talent and the and the and the management, it honestly makes for magic because there's been some absolute killer matches at that promotion in the past oh, year or two since we've been there. And like you've got talent like Mark like Mark Haskins is happy to come back and he's doing great in ROH and stuff. And um, there's loads. There's like there's so much talent coming in and there's so much talent coming up as well that it's just yeah it's going to be I can easily see TNT becoming one of the biggest promotions in the UK and just building and building because they've somehow managed to like have this nice relationship where the guys that are at the end of the day the guy that's paying the bill he's the boss and he has final say but he's 100% open and willing to listen to what his talent has to say so it's not just about 
this is what I want to see, so this is what's happening. You know, like, that's fine, but if someone comes up with an idea for you, they've actually thought about your promotion, so you should respect that. Um, and he, they do, true, they do. True. They've got a great team there, and, like, I'm always going to fly their flag because I, the idea for, like, the she-wolves and everything like that, like, they could have easily told me to take a hike, but they didn't. And they now, like, we come down from Glasgow, like, there are a car of us that come down from Glasgow mm-hmm. to do this, and we're there all the time. Like, we're, we're, we're there as much as we can be. And it's, it's, it's a great, great place to work. Um, and, I, like, I hope it's a place... I wanted it to be a place where females actually aspire to work like they want to come and work there mm-hmm. because they've heard how well the women are treated they're, they're they've heard how they're listened to and they're actually given chances um that if they have an idea it will be discussed it won't just be like that's nice dear you have your ideas but we've got this to take care of you're like no like you want to be valued and you want to be listened to and they're it sounds mad because obviously massive steps have been taken and the women's revolution has happened and stuff but there are still places independently where the women have to fight to be heard um but there is not a place like you are you are you're treated as a a performer you're treated as a wrestler and if you've got an idea you are listened to um and i know for for us it's a massive thing and it is a place where we've built in order that women want to come there and want to work there because they know they are valued as performers, not just as the females, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of very, very talented, uh, just not even women's tag teams, just tag teams in general in the UK, like the She-Wolves, yourselves, the Pretty Little Killers, Angels of the Night, Medusa Complex, to name a few. Mm -hmm. But do you guys have your eye or have any expectations for like maybe some tag team titles in the future within the UK? Have you guys had heard any word on those? I just... Just open this space. We've always got our, our, our ears to the ground. Because personally, I understand that, like, there's a female title, which is completely respectable. And that predominantly the heavyweight title is meant to be the male title. Um, but for me, like, tag titles are just that. Like, there, should, there isn't a gender attachment to it. For some reason, it's become over the years that they ha- the tag titles are males. And you're like, but why? If you're a tag mm-hmm. team, surely you can go for tag titles. That's, that's, exactly. what, that's, your that's what qualifies you. If yeah. you're a tag team, therefore you can go for tag titles. But it has become that. And, and, but the thing is, like, travelling up and down the UK, there are tag teams that I've seen that aren't full male tag teams who... I'm bigger than both of the members in the team. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm going, I'd batter both of you. You know what I mean? Like, if you were to think about the physics of me and my moveset and what I'm capable of doing, and their size and weight, I'm like, I think Casey's bigger than you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's that kind of thing where I'm like, so for me, like, I, I understand, like, personally, I have absolutely no qualms fighting a guy and wrestling a guy because the training and the school and and this is probably for the majority of female professional wrestlers when you're training 
you're predominantly training with guys. Yeah. So why is why would you have like I, I do get it and I I like I get that some people grow up with the thought of like you don't hit a girl and you don't do that. But for me, I've always thought, see if a girl hits you, why on earth would you not hit her back? She's the one that's opened up the door. You know what I mean? She's the one that's opened up for violence. And I'm not condoning anything like that. But at the same time, like, if I hit somebody, and it doesn't matter about gender, I've opened up myself for getting a slap. You know what I mean? That is just a personal thing myself. As like the, the actual equality of things. And if I'm in a ring with you, I'm putting myself there. I'm the one that's here to wrestle you. What does it matter if I'm male or female? I remember there being um I won't name I won't name the boy's name. Okay. Because okay. he was trying to be gentlemanly. But I remember being at training and it was like we were doing this drill and we were to get in the ring and lock up and do what we were to do. And we got up and we were doing the sort of the walk round, sort of feel each other out before we, we go into it. And as we do that, I remember him stopping, turning to the coach that was on the ring apron and going, is this okay? Like, and looking away from me and saying, is this okay? And pointing towards me. But the guys that I trained with for like the last couple of years before this happened, all kind of stopped and went, oh, he's going to die. Like, <laughs> this guy's dead. And before he turned round, as he turned back round, I was there to give him a swift slap. And I was like, don't you ever question that. If I'm getting in a ring with you, I'm here to wrestle you. does not matter what gender or anything that I'm here, like, what, whatever I identify as. When we're in this ring, it's go time. does not matter. I was like, it does not matter what swings between my legs and it does not matter what I identify <laughs> with. If yeah. I'm in this ring, I'm here to wrestle. So don't you dare ask someone else if this is okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay because I'm here and saying it's fine. Well, if you're going to ask anybody, you ask me. But I was just, I remember a guy, actually, a guy called Kyle, Kyle Chaos is his wrestling name. And him just going like, I thought you were going to kill him when he because he heard it and went, oh no, like oh no, because he was just a new guy, so mm-hmm. it was like his first day in, and I'd already, he'd already got a swift slap and a reminder of like, do not patronise the women here. I understand you've been brought up and your parents have taught you don't hit girls, and that's fine, but it shouldn't just be don't hit girls. It should be just don't hit people like. And if you in general, yeah, in general, do not if it's un, if it's unnecessary, don't fight somebody. If you can talk it through, talk it through. Um, but yeah, so for me, a tag title is just you just need to be a tag team. Mm-hmm. And I get it if there's people that don't want to do it and they don't want to do mixed gender stuff then that's fine you don't need to do it but see if there's all these other people that want to do it let them do it if it makes sense let them do it because for me and i've said this often i think like and hear me out i think if at wrestlemania you had charlotte flair versus seth rollins it would be great it would because it'd be there'd be two great talents mm-hmm. having a wrestling match it has nothing to do with their gender. It's genuinely two 
incredible talents, and I think their styles would be class. And oh, it's, I would love that. If you think about it, imagine like Christ, imagine somebody like Shayna Baszler versus Alistair Black. Oh yeah, would that'd be, be class. Yeah. The Muay Thai with the Brazilian, that whole thing, like. Yeah, kickboxing from Alistair Black with Harry maybe like that sort of matchup. But when you think about it, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, Seth, I think Seth might be shorter than Charlotte, and Shayna's a terrifying human being. <laughs> and yeah. she's my, she's honestly one of my absolute favourites, like hands down, because she gives me what I class as the fear. When I look at her, I'm like, oh, I think you'd actually kill me. Like, I think you'd beat me up. But that's why I'm like, but that's why I love you. And I can't stop watching because you give me the fear. Um, so, yeah, like, when you think about it, there are people that are going to do that. There's matchup, if you think about it, would make sense. And as long as it makes sense, then why can't you have that match? Like, why is it to do with your gender? Like, if it makes sense, then that's fine. Like, I'm not going to go in and have a match with Braun Strowman because it doesn't make sense. I should get battered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if I was, like, if I was to go in with, I'm trying to think, there's like a guy here called Leighton Buzzard who's an ICW wrestler um, coming up the scene great, but I think I'm like a bigger powerhouse than he is. Like, I yeah. can fling him about, no problem. That to me is a matchup that physically, when you look at it, makes sense. And it's all to do with I think it's to do more about with the mat the the match matchup than it should do with the actual gender of the performance. Yeah, the storytelling <laughs> and the talent abilities for sure. Mm-hmm. Like like I like there's so many of them that you think actually that would make sense. And as to me, as long as it makes sense, and because I've got to a point where. I love the fact that there are there are mixed gender matches now, and it is becoming a more accepted thing. But obviously, there's still this camp of people that are like, "No, mm-hmm. shouldn't be." And I get that, I understand your viewpoint. But if people want to do it, just let them do it. You don't have to watch it. You could go get a drink, or go to the toilet, or switch your telly off, or Press fast forward on the paper, like true. But there are so many options for you not to watch it. So just stop moaning. Let people <laughs> do what they wanted to, and then fast forward it to what you don't want to watch. And there's Christ, there's male rest. There's been male matchups that I've thought I don't want to watch this. I think this is going to be garbage, and I've not watched it because I thought it was garbage, or I just don't like the person in the match. So I won't watch it because I think they're a belly. Why why is it any different? Like, Mm -hmm. there are major superstars that I just don't like. And I'm like, oh, God, here they come. (laughs) I'm going to go put the kettle on and have a cup of tea. Yeah. That's fine. So you do that with that and I'll have fun wrestling my pal who's happy to wrestle me. And you go get yourself a pint, mate, and then we'll be cool. You can pretend it's not happening, like, if that really helps you. But just go and stop shouting at me on Twitter when I say, I'd quite like to wrestle them. Like, go away. No, it makes sense, though. (laughs) I also find it very sad that there's these people on the internet that get so angry 
at the fact that you mention it. They're like, no. And I'm like, what? Mm. Like, you must have a very privileged life if this is what keeps you up at night. Or is, I would say sad life. Like, if that's, your, if that's like the biggest like inconvenience, like I do, oh. like how good, you know, like that's just yeah. sad. Do you cry when you run out of milk in the in the fridge when you can't have cereal? Are you that dude that's like, oh, I can't have the Yeah, how dare you, Molly? <laughs> yeah, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, there's other things to worry about in the world. Yeah. Why are you getting so upset on the concept of Jordan Grace wrestling her like her, her like like her husband? Like why is that so upsetting to you or why is it like someone that could probably out squat deadlift and throw you about like nobody's business you're getting so upset at the concept of them wrestling somebody their equivalent but just because that ma- that person's got a penis it's an outrage you're like calm down mate like it's wrestling can you just you know just calm like yeah it's the mute button is a great feature i had to do that last week for someone in my mentions just over like we were talking about intergender wrestling in another podcast and then they made like a smart ass comment in the replies and now like i just had to mute it it's just like like what is the point oh no i've got to the point now where i wind them up so i'll deliberately bait them going come on Let's hear all your hate and your rage. Because if you're saying it to me, I don't care. So it's yeah. fine. So I'll have, like, I'll, I'll have guys, like, yeah, it's great. I I, I now revel in it when I get it because I'm like, meh. Mm. I genuinely, oh, there was a point where I was on a, so there's another company. So another thing I do work-wise is I work for a company called Inside the Ropes. And... Um, what we do is, so I run all their merchandise. Um, so I organise t-shirt designs and pin designs and whatever for up-and-coming tours. And we tour with incredibly famous wrestlers. So we've done, like, Undertaker, Mick Foley, Sean wow. Michael, like, we've done that, them. And we do these tours, and they're up and down the UK. And we've done a couple in America. We did, like, but usually Mania. So we've done, like, Paul Heyman a couple of times and stuff like that. So We've done these big shows, and um, but they're Q and A's, and they've just released a magazine, and the magazine's great. It's like old school magazine when you got like WWF magazine back in the day. Um, so I so I sort of do that sort of stuff, and like I've lost track of what I was talking about there. What was I going to say? <laughs> I was going to tell a story, and my brain just blanked. I was like, why am I talking about the ropes? Was it maybe like Q and A wrestlers doing Q and A's and people like fans will ask stupid questions to be funny? Oh, that happens. We did one. We did a. I did a tour with a uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper before he passed away, yeah. and um, it was with a different company, and um, was doing that. And somebody genuinely asked Piper, "What do you think of the color of John Cena's shoes?" What the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was probably like. Stuff. <laughs> like, who? I, like, what the? Like, I. So, yeah, that. Why was I getting onto that? It's okay. <laughs> My brain's totally blank. I was on a rant. Twitter. 
It's okay. Ooh. Sometimes you get the adrenaline, you get so pumped during a rant <laughs> that you're building up, and then you're like, wait, what was the main point of this? What is the meaning of all of this? And I mean, but yeah, like, people just need to calm their pants when it comes to just trolling. Like, it's no. just, you get to a point where I just started, like, I've started, like, bringing them in yeah. and, like, playing with them and toying with them completely, going, okay. Let's go. Let's see how much hate you have. Because also, I think, I mean, if you're going to spout your hate at me, then at least it's coming to me who can handle it, mm-hmm. rather than some young girl who's coming into the scene. And all of a sudden, because they've said that they'd like to wrestle a guy who they've probably trained with from day one of their, their, their wrestling journey, and they're getting this abuse saying, oh, no, that's not right. And you're like, you say what's right and what's wrong like mm-hmm. see as long as everybody involved is happy no one's getting hurt everybody accepts there's nobody uncomfortable then who are you to tell them that that's wrong um this i and especially a person that has absolute no training or mm-hmm. have educated themselves in any way shape or form of how people become wrestlers yeah, so they, not, they think they know, but they don't. Yeah, they have this assumption that girls just train in the corner by themselves and they never touch a man. And, and, t- and you're like, shut off. No, of course you don't. The majority of girls train with guys because yeah. they're outnumbered. And like, and that's why I understand why a lot of shows have like the one female match because some places, especially in the UK, and I, I don't know if it translates in the US, but there's certain areas where, in that area, there is only one female wrestler. So they have to get in people from other areas to mm-hmm. wrestle this one girl so that she gets experience and that she can then go out and wrestle other places because she's had enough matches in her back, like in her tank, to go and venture out. But you find that a lot. I find like a lot of girls end up travelling further than a lot of guys from school. Yeah. Purely because there's only so much you can learn with one other person, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or there's times where if you are the only girl, in order for you to get a match, you need to go, you need to drive four hours or whatever length it is just to get a match and it needs to be organized and etc i mean i'm lucky with gpwa there is a handful of girls so we are able to sort of help one another in that sense and give each other like their first match and that sort of stuff but and like with gpwa they've got like kaylee ray as a coach there and she will yes. come in and coach so she is able to have that hands-on experience um with someone of her stature um but even like she's come from a place where she's had to learn and 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 travel in order for her to be who she is, because there was a point where when she was coming up, there was maybe only a very small handful of female wrestlers from Scotland, so she had to go down south. She had to get on planes and fly wherever because if she didn't, she would only be she would only have wrestled maybe five six lassies uh, from that from our own country but yeah oh, yeah there's just oh 
there's so many things. I, I like I just want to commend you too before I move on to my last question. Like I'm that I know you said you're the type of person who like isn't afraid of confrontation, but for me like I I hate confrontation. So that's why like I said I just use the mute button. I wish I had that confidence to like just like not battle back, but you know, kind of clap back is what they say um mm-hmm. at them but I just don't I just like I feel like I don't have the time or the energy or like not confidence but you know courage I guess to clap back so I just use that mute button <laughs> I mean personally I think it's more of a sick sense of humor that I have on the thought that I'm going to bed with a wee giggle and like a wee giggle and a wee smile on my face knowing that they're in their bed at night seething at the fact that I had the audacity to question their opinion even though they've decided to follow me on twitter and give me abuse right you followed me you don't need to look at my tweet my twitter or my instagram there is an unfollow you don't need to look at my opinions if you don't look don't like them fuck off but if you like if you are like you know what I mean there is that option but you followed me on Twitter so why are you giving me abuse when you knew what you were signing up for when you followed True. me in the mm-hmm. first place so there's that unfollow button see it out the door <laughs> because I'm not gonna validate their hate speech by going you're this and the next thing for a majority of them that are just spouting hate and anger and vile, the way to punish them is to not react. Exactly. Because they are desperately wanting you to bite and they're wanting you to get angry back at them. And they and and quite frankly, 100%, there will be guys who are there wanting you to give them abuse for their own perverted gratification. So yeah. I just... I can see the difference between perverted for gratification and winding somebody up mm-hmm. because you can wind them up and just be like meh like and have a laugh and just bait them and then there's those that just spout hate because that's they're just hateful people so the best thing you could do is unfollow the things you don't you, like if you don't like somebody's thoughts and opinions on something just click the unfollow button and you don't need to see them and it's the same thing. If you don't like the fact that I don't disagree with intergender wrestling and I fully agree with it and I think it's perfectly fine and would 100% be up for it, if you don't agree with that, just don't read the 140 characters that yeah. I wrote. So you do it. The scroll button, you just, just boom, or unfollow. That's it. Exactly. And I'm bored with your life. You don't need to watch my matches. You don't need to buy my T-shirts. You don't need to pay for my photos. Just leave me alone, and we'll both be perfectly fine existing in the world still. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, moving on, lastly, you are a self proclaimed horrible yet entertaining vixen. But for you, (laughs) within the whole history of wrestling, I feel like I know the answer to this, but within the whole history of wrestling, who would you say is the most entertaining wrestler of all time? Oh, right. I've got, to, I've got to be honest, that is not self-proclaiming. That, and I swear to Christ, right, and it's weird that it, this has come right, the person that said that to me was Edge. So, I did a, so we did a tour with Edge, 
And uh, with Inside the Ropes, the company that I was talking about, this yeah. with Edge. now Edge, oh, Edge is my boy. Like, uh-huh. I love Edge. Yes. And like, he is, I've got the posters and everything like that. Now, if he hears this, Adam, if you're listening to this, I don't like you. I'm not going to like inflate your ego. Don't listen to what I'm saying next. But we did this tour with him and he was great. Like he was just so welcoming and nice and up for a laugh. And uh, so when he um, returned, you remember like when he did the spear at SummerSlam? Yes. Like so last last year? Yes. Yeah, so when he came by and did that, I was at a show. I was doing a show in Cardiff, Wales. And um, I was in a pub in Cardiff, and he did this. And when he hit the spear, I was generally like, what the fuck? And I was losing it. And um, so I messaged him saying, like, don't worry, mate. And I remember I sent him a quick message on Twitter saying, like, um, Love seeing the spear, blah, blah, blah. Just so you know, your hair looks magnificent. <laughs> and he was like, ah. and then we ended up on another tour um, without him. It was a different tour. But he loves a place uh, and, and uh, there's a donut shop in uh, Dublin okay. um, uh, that he loves. It's called... What's it called? There's this donut shop in Dublin. It's, a, it's own made... Uh, Dublin donuts and he absolutely adores them and we ended up on this tour and we stopped to go get this donuts and I ended up sending him like you know the filter on like uh, I think it's on Instagram that's like the love bubble that's like so I did that along the counter of all these donuts he loves these donuts the donut shop's called Offbeat Donuts in Dublin right and when he was filming Vikings he ended up falling in love with these donuts because that's where they filmed Vikings. So he was living in Dublin. So he loved these donuts. So we went on this other tour and uh, I ended up sending him a video because we were in offbeat donuts of these donuts. And his reply to me was, you horrible yet entertaining vixen. And I was just, and I, I sort of laughed and went, um, I'm blushing, horrible yet entertaining. That's exactly what I'm going for. And he was like, nailed it. Oh um, my God. And then say I'm like, you realise I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt, and he was like, I'll buy it, and I was like, yes. So it was this sort of weird Wednesday the robes, like as I was saying before. So I work for this company called Inside the Ropes. Um, we do these Q and A uh, tours. We're really favourite, such as Edge, mm-hmm. which was the one they organised to see me squirm because I'm. I'm usually the ballsy, confident one. And then they brought Edge in and I just went, oh, my God, uh, for like the first <laughs> day. And then I was OK. Um, and then what we've done ones were like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. The oh, Sean's my favourite. Oh. Oh, he's, he's a gem. He's a gem. He's a good man. And um, he's now a wrestling dad. Like he's got all his NXT people that he looks after. Yeah. And he's proud of them. It's adorable. Um, but yeah, so we've done all these tours with like some like, but we've even done ones with like Cody Rhodes and like we did one of the mm-hmm. first ones Cody Rhodes ever did once he um, left WWE. Yeah, we've got a nice relationship with them and it, like and I love these tours and I love Inside the Ropes. It's like a group of friends of us and we go and do these shows together and it's so much fun. We get to meet inter- these really interesting people and 
make relationships like that. Like if you told 14-year-old me when I was watching wrestling, like, oh, by the way, one day you could message Edge and he'll reply. I'd be like, shut up. That's not true. (laughs) Not a chance. Um, But, yeah, like it's just, it's one of those things where we we now have this and we we do a a really good job and like, I'm very proud to work for that company because we've, we've built this thing up and, like I fairly say, like we give a good show. Like our questions, like Kenny McIntosh, he uh, and say there's also a podcast that he does, and like, but he hones the show, and the questions are all very well researched and thought out, so that you can actually get proper stories and hear yeah. things that you haven't heard from, you haven't heard before, you haven't seen, like the perspective of certain things. Like there's a story Edge was telling about. Mind when uh, Vince burst both his quads when he was in the ring? Mm-hmm. Like, he was telling the story about what was happening backstage when that happened, how, like, they basically cleared the hallways and nobody was allowed out the rooms while Vince walked down this hall because he was walking himself, kind of thing. And so, like, you hear stories like that that you've never heard before on these tours where it's people that are just, like, people that have influenced so many people growing up. And for mm-hmm. me, like... Edge is my favourite. Like, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, it's this. Like, China for me was like the image of like a strong woman, and you could be like, Alassie didn't have to be a weak clin kind of thing anymore. You could be strong and dominating, but like Edge, just, I just absolutely adored him. He was good on the mic. He was a, a good oh, performer absolutely. all round. He made you hate him when he wanted you to. And that, for me, was, like, a massive thing. Like, remember when we did the tour, we ha- we always edit these, like, opening packages of, like, we go through the person's career and, like, a highlight reel of, like, when they first started to, to when either they retired or, or et cetera. And I remember sitting watching it and then thinking, I think I've stolen everything of age. Like, I just that pause when I was watching it, I went, oh, no, I'm... Oh, no. And I've just, I've not even realised how influential he was. And then even when I watch back guys, like, for me, like, I think a lot of my ability talk, like, talking-wise comes for, like, CM Punk as well. So points when I watch highlight reels of him and I'm like, oh, okay, that cocky thing I do there, <laughs> even not deliberately doing it, I've ended up emulating this person unconsciously yeah unconsciously like the first ever title I won was for a company called Future Shop from Manchester you know how like I used to pick up the belt and kiss it yes I instantly did that I pulled it up and then kissed the belt and held it back up and I I didn't even think about it until I was watching that highlight video and then I went oh that's what I do with titles oh that's what I do with titles why have I never even clicked that I'm emulating Edge by doing that? And although nobody else clicks it, as soon as I watched it, I went, oh, that's me. I do that. Oh, God. And then sort of like, like I ended up talking to him about it and joking about it kind of thing. And he was like, ah, you just copy me. And I was like, no, I don't. But I don't mean to. Um, but like I hit like a spear and stuff like that. And I know, like, I knew me hitting a spear was like my wee nod to like, edge and like yeah and, and things like that yeah. like a wee tribute like but i can hit a mean spear so it's not just some wee eh, it's a proper hat 
because I'm a bigger girl as well, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I knew that was, and but it wasn't until I was watching. I remember like the first opening night was in Belfast with Edge, and just sitting going, "Okay, I'll watch this show." I'm watching the show, and the package started, and me going. Oh my dear lord, I think I've stolen everything. And then go, no, I haven't, no, I haven't. I've just emulated the bits like subconsciously. And we all do it. There are those people that you've just end up emulating the people that you admire. Um just for me, I'm happy that nearly anybody that I've met in wrestling that I admire have been nice and been decent people. Because uh-huh. I think Sometimes it can turn out the opposite, yeah. And that's the heartbreaking thing. And I know that. And I mean, there's people that I've like I've met who are the complete opposite. Yeah. And I've had friends that have just been like, oh, why? Because same. They've grown up loving this person. And they turn out to be a prick. And you're like, no. Um, but like I was lucky, like I did the tour with Piper, like obviously like Mm-hmm. grandfather was for the Garbos in Glasgow and stuff like that and he's a very proud Scottish roots and stuff so like been having to have the time with him was incredible because yeah, he was yeah. one of the best talkers ever oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah and his confidence and comfortable like being comfortable in confrontation emanates kind of thing so like if I was like if you were to go you need to pick a guy for like the early 90s like the 80s I'm like oh mine's his paper 100% at the time um but yeah so like some time with him he was an absolute gem spending time with edge and him being a gem and me being like thank christ because <laughs> he had been horrible i would have been and i kept saying that to like the guys at the tour like the day we were traveling to belfast for the show like we had to fly there and just sitting with the crew going see if he's horrible I'm going home. Like, it's just like, I can't, I can't spend five days with this man if he's horrible. Like, I can't spend like, it wasn't it was even more than it was like six, it wasn't like a week with this guy. I was like, I can't do it. I can't spend a week with a guy that I idolised if he's, if he's a dick. But luckily, he wasn't. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was lovely. And like, yeah, he was just, there was a point where he put us on the phone to Beth, but he didn't really tell us. It was just like, yeah, uh, here's Louise, and handed the phone over, and I was like, well, hi, Beth. Like, what the fuck? Like, okay. Um, so yeah, there are. There's. I've, I've. I've been lucky enough, and even people that I admire, so like Shawn Michaels was a gem, Undertaker was a gentleman, McFoley is the nicest man on the planet. I'm sure everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, Bret Hart. Bret Hart was weirdly like really funny like very dry humor but when she got past that was really funny um was really interested and when he found out like i wrestled he was like can you send me matches and i was like yes mr hart um gold dust my oh gold i saw that photo oh you and gold i saw that he is like again another one i'm not saying I like you but yeah no like he was an absolute diamond like he was so much fun even like like even we did tours with like Goldberg who is like as a performer is is mental 
headbutting doors and like all sorts. <laughs> but is a genuinely nice man. You know what I mean? Like when you actually talk to him, he's 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 very mannerable. His wife, like I don't think people realise it. So Goldberg's wife, I think it's called Wendy, but she is a stunt woman and she specialises in like bareback horse riding stunts. And she's a badass. Like she's this tiny wee woman. But as an absolute badass, and 100%, I could happily say this, where's the trousers in that relationship? Like, she's the boss. Like, he's not a pushover or anything, but, like, I like, he's so respectful for his wife and that, and, like, he brought her with her and all sorts. But, yeah, like, we've been lucky enough that we've done all these tours, and the majority of them have been absolute diamonds and have taught and and like even when we did tours with like Cody and, and obviously with Goldust obviously that AEW um, link now like meeting them and working with them it sort of gives you the hope of like like AEW is going to be fine they're going to do good they're obviously having like they're a new promotion and all new places have teething problems etc mm-hmm. but if you've got them, and with Brandy as well, Brandy came the last time we did Cody. If you've got them, it, it'll be fine because they're good people with good intentions and they genuinely want the best for everybody. It's not just about them. Um, so yeah, they're they're the the Rhodes brothers are good are are sound people. So. Yeah, like, they'll be fine, as well as, obviously, WWE's WWE. WWE will find, always yeah. find a way to find in their feet. But AEW is still so new, and so new, and then being in this pandemic could ruin, you mean, could ruin a promotion like that. But with their level-headedness and how sound and how forward-thinking they are and how much they want to involve people, it should be fine and that should be a bright future and hopefully it'll be like I'm really wanting a point where there is a proper competition so that there is all this sick wrestling on telly and you could pick the sort of thing you want to watch and that there is this opportunity for like who knows maybe Ada I know Impact did then our gender yeah, match up, but there's not really been much after it. So who knows? Like, hopefully, maybe maybe AW is the place that like lets intergender wrestling happen again if it makes sense. Because let's be honest, like let's be honest, Nyla Rose would eat the young bucks, or you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. those sorts of like she can run through them no problem. If it makes sense, then why can't it be? So yeah. Just a quick suggestion, too, before we wrap this up. If you, like, genuinely want to watch, like, intergender wrestling, I highly recommend PWA, which is Pro Wrestling Australia. They actually, like, the whole country of Australia is huge on intergender wrestling because, like you said, most of the girls train with the guys because there's not a whole lot of girls they can train with. And, like, Mm -hmm. the one girl I know, there was her and one other girl in their class. So yeah. obviously they trained with mostly most of the guys and like on their pay-per-views, they do intergender wrestling all the time. Like M- Melbourne city wrestling does it a lot. Um, PWA 
uh, Riot City Wrestling. There's a lot of promotions in Australia that have intergender wrestling on every pay-per-view. Just a quick like suggestion for you if that's something you're interested in watching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll speak to, um, I've got a, a friend who was actually over there and mm-hmm. has just come back because obviously um, his visa run out because you can only stay for like a year or something. Yeah. So we'll get him to, because I know he wrestled for a few places uh, mm-hmm. and he was in Melbourne. So I'll talk to him and see if he can get me, you know what I mean, get the links in so I can watch wherever I need to. But yeah, no, definitely. I've taken a note of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll send you some links too. Yeah, if you could, that'd be appreciated. Alrighty. Now, before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you on all your social medias and your merch stores? Of course. Um, Basically, if you just Google Molly Spartan, you'll find me. Um, yeah, for some reason, I've managed to have a name that is purely mine. Um, there was a girl in uh, America, I think she was from Oregon, who was trying to do it as a roller derby name. Um, but then I think she realised, she, she, it was interesting when I actually ended up speaking to her about it, because she sent me a message and was like, ah, oh, you're Molly Spartan. I was like, yeah. And I was like, you're the other one. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> she was like, I did wonder why I was getting a lot of like weird wrestling requests when I'm a roller derby person. And I was like, yeah, they're for me. Uh, just send them my way if you need to. Um, but yeah, so just yeah, Google Molly Spartan, you'll find me. I'm Molly Spartan on Twitter, Molly Spartan on Instagram. I'm real Molly Spartan on Facebook, and it's Molly Spartan dot big cartel dot com for my merch store. Um, or you can just send me a message and we can sort it out. Um, we're just about to set up a She Wolves merch store, um, shortly, but we do have. Uh, t-shirts etc for sale so if you are sort of looking for stuff just give myself or Casey Owens uh, a little message and we'll be able to sort you out um, so yeah we'll get that we're, we're getting that sort of stuff set up um, but yeah it's we actually did we, we brought out a new She Wolves t-shirt and we were given options because of obviously Corona um, we were given the option of us tie-dyeing them ourselves so we were bleach tie dyeing these T-shirts. So every T-shirt you bought um, was unique to the next. Um, so, yeah, we would spend like an afternoon with like balls of bleach and mm. and old clothes and tie dyeing these T-shirts uh, and sending them out to people. And like a lot of people loved them because there was that personalized effect yeah. where they knew it was us doing it and their T-shirt was their own. Um so yeah, no, there's there's lots of exciting stuff coming up, and we've been busy through lockdown regarding like different photo shoots and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, um, as well. So yeah, there'll be lots of new stuff coming up shortly. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Molly. It's been a lot of fun. It's <laughs> not a problem. I talk a lot, and I can if no. you get me talking about wrestling, I can just be like, blah, blah, blah. I love I'm it. Going, mad tangent so yeah if you ever want to talk again please just let me know i'll come on and ramble more nonsense again oh of course